If all you do is work on the dimensions of making money, you're probably going to be frustrated in whatever you're trying to achieve. So th this is just, this is one of the misconceptions that a lot of people have about making money and, and trying to achieve wealth is that it's usually the things you do outside of those direct activities that help you get better at the thing you really want. Uh, by the way, this is the Edgy Conversations podcast. I'm Dan Walshmitt. Um, if you showed up listening or expecting to listen to something else, you might be on the wrong channel. Uh, otherwise, I'm excited that uh, you're here and that we're going to have this uh, great conversation. Um, as you know, Radical Help for People Who Want It, all about helping people with ideas, uh, insights to help you get a little bit closer to where you want to be on a daily basis. So, uh, as I mentioned, I, I was I was talking to a, a, a good friend of mine today who's who is a... Uh, a very high-level executive in a company, and he just uh, finished running a 100-mile race. And he was talking about, you know, kind of, you know, he's back at work now a couple of days later, talking about uh, everything that goes into achieving that race. And I actually wrote an article um, on my, well, when did I write? I probably wrote it three years ago about... Um, 10 lessons I learned running a hundred miles in the Ozark mountains or something like that. It's, 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 you know, maybe we'll attach it here to this post, uh, to this, to this podcast or, uh, episode, but it, it dove into like all the, you know, how, how did I end up at the starting line? How did you end up at the finish line and everything in between? Um, and I remember, uh, as was, I'm running this race one clearly knowing how impossible it was like especially when you're 50, 60, 70 miles into this race, you, you're like, you're too far to quit, but you're so far away from the finish line that you really want to, you're trying to find a good excuse. And he was talking about how, as he was running, um, different things along the way, maybe an aid station that didn't have enough water or an aid station that had water, but not Gatorade, or maybe, um, you know, just different things that triggered him along the way and how he had to stay focused more importantly not to stay focused he had to stay you know energized until he was able to kind of you know, make it to the next spot and keeping his eye on the prize he i actually called uh, a couple of buddies of mine they were pacing him and they were 93 miles in and of course you know they had three hours to finish the race uh, before cutoff and um you had 30 hours to run the race and get a buckle. And of course he finished right inside, you know, 27 hours and some odd change. Um, you know, just, just under 28 hours. Basically it doesn't matter whether you finish in two hours or, or 29 and 50, 29, 59, you get your buckle, right? It's, it, it's a, just an amazing experience. But when you come back to work the next day, when you're at the office, all the BS that you have to face on a daily basis kind of goes down a notch when you've just spent um, 29 straight hours, 28 straight hours running through the mountains of Alabama, right? You, 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 what used to seem hard now seems laughable. You know, the, the problems with communication, you know, come on, you know, how do we fix this? The, the problems with pettiness, the problems with passive aggression, all the things that kind of seem to trip us up on a daily basis, revenge, you know, uh, regret, uh, you know, laziness, procrastination, when you're positioned, you know, in the middle of the mountains and you're on a trail and the only way out is to keep going, then it's really clear what your mission is. 
And, and, and there's only one way to achieve that success. There's no ambiguity. There's no grayness. Like there's no 50 shades of anything. It's just you either get it done or, you know, some bear finds you, um, you know, curled up in a ball and decides you're a midnight snack. That's just, just kind of how it is. Uh, and so when you then head back to the office, man, it's, it's empowering to know that that thing you did in your personal life really drove professional growth. It allows you to feel victorious, act victorious. And of course, by the way, uh, you're, the people around you know what you've accomplished. And uh, you know they may not come up to you and say, wow, dude, you're kind of a badass, but they know exactly the, the quality of your character. So, you know, you're talking to someone who, who just ran, you know, did a triathlon or someone who biked 100 miles or someone, by the way, someone who just finished a half marathon, someone who ran their first couch to 5K program, you know, it doesn't matter what the size of the race is. If once you've accomplished that thing, it changes how you view mastery, kind of your view of the world and what you think is possible, which is why. We're coming to the main point of the whole discussion. Five minutes and six seconds in, which is this. What are you doing outside your personal world to strengthen your resolve? I often encourage you to go read great books. By the way, uh, if you have a great book that you feel like we should be reading or talking about, then, then share it with the group here so that we, could all, we can all dig in and do that together. But it's not just about reading books. It's about pushing, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations where you have to perform, where the only option is a really, really, really bad failure or you pushing yourself forward towards the finish line. I think that's incredible. And so often we'll make excuses. We'll say things like, oh, well, you know, I, I, you know, I need to get a couple more things done here. Oh, I, I need to do this. Or I can't spend the time I have training, exercises, staying in shape. By the way, if you want to know why CrossFit is such a cult, it's the fact that as a, as a middle-aged person, and by the way, in, in a couple of days, I'll turn 39 years old. So I'm officially you know, uh, becoming an old white guy. Uh, but no, please don't ever call me that. Um, but I might be for age. I think next year at 40, I officially fit into the master's bracket. So at 40, I can, I can win all the prizes that I couldn't run, couldn't win as a 25 year old. But truth is why CrossFit's such a hot thing. Why, why it's, why people are so wound up and, and loyal to it is at 25, 35, 45, 65, 75. Well, I don't know at what age you stop, but you can jump on a box, you can you know, spin a jump rope, you can lift a weight, and it's a daily activity that not just inspires your mind and builds strength and burns calories and helps you stay in shape, it, it gives you a certain bit of confidence to go take on your day. So I meet, I meet I'm, I'm a runner, right? I, I'm not strong enough to do you know, the, the CrossFit games, or I'm not in shape enough to do all the, you know, calisthenics sort of stuff. Um, so I meet runners really, basically I talk to runners and of course people engage with me on Facebook and other places specifically because, you know, I am a runner. And, and one of the things, uh, everyone's got a story. You realize that everyone's got their own personal reason or explanation for why they run and why they're, why they're, you know, you know positioned for their own personal greatness. Um, and, the, the truth is, here's, here's what's interesting. Here's what's, here's what's so fascinating about this is that you'll all see people who you know, have okay, an okay professional life who decide, hey, I wanna, I'm going to build some mastery in, 
and and you know running jumping you know lunging whatever it is all the crafts of of uh, of getting in shape who will all of a sudden see themselves taking their professional life to the next level why why is it it's because it's that confidence it's that courage and frankly you know if you can run 100 miles to the middle of of of, of the dark woods then you can do just about anything this this is um this is why, by the way, and, and I'm, I'm not claiming to have parenting figured out. In fact, I am a, uh, at times probably the world's biggest screw up when it comes to parenting, but it's why you have to push uh, your kids to do so many different things. You know, my oldest son's doing football and he's doing art and he's doing chess club and he's doing these different things. Why? Because it's those things outside of just learning English and history and math and science and, and those things that, that, that build the creativity and the courage and the confidence to engage with the things that are most important in life. So what are those, what are those things for you? Uh, maybe it's, it's not running or something physical. Maybe it's art. Uh, maybe it's chess, you know, uh, maybe it's, uh, something has to do with your church or your community. What are those activities that you're giving back and, 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 and donating time and energy to? One of the things that, and this is going to seem like a self-aggrandizing story, but I'll share it with you anyways. Um, and then let you know, uh, what lessons I learned from it. Um, the church I, uh, uh, my my family and I used to attend um, gave out this challenge around Thanksgiving, and it's it was a couple of years ago. They said, "Look, we're all going to go to this um, uh, Salvation Army, uh, who does uh, I think it's Salvation Army or some 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 group like that 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 gave away uh, Thanksgiving dinners, and we're going to help them with uh, you know that that whole process." Uh, and when they need volunteers, right? That was that that was the clarion call. We, we need we need volunteers, and it wasn't on Thanksgiving Day. It was like a couple days early. So if you've ever watched like what's a drama show like NCIS or a, that's a ridiculous one, but I mean like what's a you know you'll see people giving food to like homeless people. And what do you see? Someone's standing there with an apron on and they're smiling and giggling and ladling food on, onto plates. So I show up with the family and I'm thinking, yeah, 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 we're going we're gonna to do our thing, you know, give back to the community, you know, yay us. But, um, yeah, that wasn't exactly how it went down. So my, uh, my oldest son joined us. I think my younger kids were a little bit too, too young to, to get involved. But we went to this, uh, uh, this parking lot that Salvation Army had. And in one part of the parking lot, they probably had 30 fryer pits and, and I'm not a person who fries a lot of stuff but you know what I mean like the the metal jug thing that you fill with oil and then it fries and you drop the turkey and so they had a bunch of those so we walk past that so clearly I'm thinking okay well I'm not a volunteer who's going to monitor the these uh, oil pits I'm not I'm not the guy fry pits I'm not, not that not that guy so we walk past and then we see people with aprons on and they've got trays of breads and meats and stuff like that I thought well okay we're not involved there we go to this back room and they said hey so we need somebody to carve the meat off the bones. Now, here's what you may think. This was somebody, they put a turkey in front of you, you cut off the breast, you cut off the thigh, you make it look really elegant, you know. No, no, no. So what someone did was, is they, after they took the big pieces of meat off the, the turkey, they would then um, give you basically some bones with pieces of meat and almost like a dog, 
with my fingers, I'm pulling off chunks of meat and putting it on a tray. And then they're going to use the tray, I think. Some of the meat might go into like a gravy. Some of the meat might go into like a stuffing. Or some of it might just be like a, a scoop of meat you give someone where it's not a big you know, piece of breast meat. It's, a, it's just, you know, tiny little pieces, you know, all, 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 all in a bunch. And I have to tell you, now this is going to sound like, you know, I'm the most callous person in the world. And I don't mean it to come out wrong, but the smell, oh my gosh. You, you, it, it, it was, it was hard not to gag, uh, almost relentlessly. Here, here, here's what I mean by that. With all of the, the turkeys they were grilling and the oil and the skin, um, the, the, by the way, this part was inside in like a gymnasium area. The floor was coated with oil that had sloshed off the turkeys. There were, the smell was nauseating. Uh, it was just, I have to tell you, the most, um, um, uh, it was hard work. Uh, it, it was it was hard work. And not only that, it was unglamorous work. And here I am thinking, we're going to show up and be God's gift to homeless people or whoever, God's gift to people who want Thanksgiving dinner. And instead, it was this opportunity to do something that was uncomfortable and new and completely, completely worth it and completely needed, the task needed, but it but it had nothing to do with a glamorous side of success now. So one, we went back the following year to do the exact same thing. And I think we're planning on going back this year to do it one more time. Not about me. We fell in love with this small little activity for one reason is that it, it allowed us to show our kids and it reminded us that look, Anybody, any politician or you know celebrity person can stand behind a lunch line and ladle out food and look like a hero, but that gymnasium was full of hundreds, I kid you not, hundreds of volunteers who were doing menial things like mopping oil that sloshed off turkeys off the floor, mopping that off the floor, you know, trying to keep things neat because so the smell would not be so bad, you know, taking pieces of bone and, and, and putting them into buckets and emptying trash cans that were full of, of this, you know, this, this, you know, cold, cold turkey meat that had now gotten, you know, just really smelly. And, and, you know, there's, there's lessons and applications for that. Immediately the next day you go to the office, you say, what are the things that I've been avoiding doing that are uncomfortable and messy and stinky that I now need to handle? See, when we're heads down focused entirely on success in all of its rawest, most rewarding forms, we're going to achieve some bit of progress. But it's only when we look at this from the side, from, the, from an angle of, uh, of, of different perspective, that we get a real sense of what growth is all about. And so what are those things for you? It might be volunteering, but maybe it's just taking time to get some physical exercise. I meet a lot of really busy people who say, I can't step away. You need to step away. You need to take a couple moments to, to pull back and uh, devote that time and energy to, uh, to thinking, to growing, to reading, to building physical muscles, to strengthening mental muscles. Uh, taking time for a play, taking time for a movie, taking time for friends, taking time for family, taking time for a beer, right? So that when you come back to the craft of being successful, when you come back to the craft of your work, what? You've got fresh perspective, you've got fresh stories, you've got fresh illustration of the greatness that you're capable of achieving. 
So something to think about. Something to think about as we're all driving forward relentlessly towards success. What are you doing from the side? What's your perspective? What's your art? What's that thing you love, that hobby that allows you to blossom and flourish in what you're doing? By the way, guys, this is the Edgy Conversation Podcast. I've, I've said it before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one more time. Uh, not the name of the podcast and not my name and not that it's radical help for people who want it, but I am going to tell you about the uh, Edgy Empire of Awesomeness uh, group on Facebook. Look, conversations are popping off like popcorn out of one of those bags you put in the microwave, like just pop, 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 pop. It's great stuff. Um, no pop. We don't serve popcorn, but you can bring your own popcorn and answer comments. Uh, you know, it's up to you whether you like buttery keys or not. Uh, but come join us, come talk to us, uh, share this podcast with others, like, share, uh, comment, all of that good stuff. And whatever you do, listen, um, if you're working out right now or heading to the office, take some time to think about this. What are you doing to add a little bit of creativity, to add a little perspective, to add a little bit of muscle to your daily life so that your professional life can be that much better? We'll see you next time on the next episode of Edgy Conversation Podcast.